welcome to episode 685 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comical podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You sound great. You sound great, too. Yes, I sound uh, fantastic. I should have been taking more preventative measures um, since this past weekend, but alas, alas. It's not like I talk for a living or anything, you know? Well, not anymore. Not, not as much, but not any less either. So. Right, not any more, not any less. That's right. I did that joke to somebody the other day, and they'd never heard it, and I felt like a king. <laughs> I did. I felt like I was just crowned by the Pope. It was awesome. So, so listen, it's going to be a short show this week, I promise. Okay. We're going to get into some of the news stuff. Uh, and if you like um, free comic book day stuff for 2024... At 2024, I'm not taking that over again. Uh, boy, do we have the news for you. And Todd, has Tubi finally gone too far? Uh, or not far enough, maybe? Hmm. Uh, we have conventions this weekend, of course. Uh, we have a- another edition of My Walk Down Lois Lane with our good friend Becky. We have what we read from this past week, which is Green Lantern number five and Superior Spider-Man number one. We have what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, We are nearing the end of this year's Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are wrapping up Sandman Endless Nights. And we have uh, a short, short, short edition of a Doctor Who thing to talk about. And I have questions about that as well. Yes, okay, no problem. I think I can handle them. All right. I think if anyone can handle a question about Doctor Who, it better be you. Except when someone gives me eight seconds of an episode and asks me to say where it's from. It just <laughs> describes it, doesn't show it to me. I'm I like, was going <laughs> to... Like, that covered, that, that's cast a wide net, that right there. That I saw that in the Discord, and I was going to chime in as the resident Doctor Who episode uh, expert, mm-hmm. and I was going to say, it's probably the one with the guy with the scarf in it right what I was gonna say. it's a it's a wise acre you know yep looking good that guy yeah oh boy um he's right where they left him is that the joke oh, stop it okay. that he's my terry funk i showed respect mm, all right fair enough mm-hmm. tom tuesdays you're gonna try to co-opt uh, tuesdays as well well, if I if I co-opted Terry Tuesday, you could be mad. But if I do Tom Tuesday, how does it block up your uh, that's true. your hashtag? Like that uh, guy who was trying to get elected. I I would vote for that guy for stymie in your hashtag. Some guy was mm-hmm. trying to do I forget what the actor's name was, but he plays Terry Silver in the Karate Kid Four. There's a Karate Kid Four. No Karate Kid. Well, there is. Uh, that's the next Karate Kid. That's the one with Hillary Swank. But no, 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 Karate Kid 3. Mm-hmm. With the Jean-Claude Van Damme knockoff guy, he's Terry Silver. And he actually comes back in the Cobra Kai series, which I'm woefully behind on, of course. And he did like two or three weeks of trying to get that over his Terry Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I got about two hours left in the day here, and he's given up on it, you know? So uh, <laughs> okay. yet another rivalry I have won. Look at that. You yes. and who was the other guy? Uh, David Carradine. Yeah, you won that feud. Yep, I won that. I got listen. So I don't, I don't win a lot of them, but when I do, it's some big names, heavy hitters, right. and it's for keeps. That's for that's right. Found uh, David Carradine wearing a red, white, and blue gi, 
resting peacefully holding a pair of nunchucks. Oh, my God. That's how they found him, right? I believe so. Okay. Don't look any further into that. Um, so, uh, free comic book day 2024, back with the vengeance. They skipped Halloween this year for shame, I say, for shame. Um, and we got all the books that have rolled out. And, of course, Marvel and DC uh, rolling out, you know, their next summer crossover event sort of things. Uh, they're doing like a relaunch of Hellboy. They're doing yet another relaunch of Ninja Turtles. I have a feeling the Ninja Turtles relaunch is going to look like the more recent movie that just came out. Probably. Uh, they're going to do a primer, uh, for the Energon universe stuff over in, uh, image books. And there was teases that, um, with the Marvel book, it's going to be one for Spider-Man and one for X-Men. Mm-hmm. And the Spider-Man one, again, of course, is yet another, you know, it seems as though like every two weeks, it's like another anniversary issue. But for the X-Men one, there was rumor and innuendo that Gail Simone is going to be writing X-Men. Right, which I don't know if that could push me over the edge, but it it, it could. Yeah, it could get me to pick up an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the silver side of things, um, we had talked about it here recently. But uh, Mad Cave Studios is doing the zero issue for the uh, Jeremy Adams Flash Gordon book. Which is the one that I'm going to be all over, Joe. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to be asking you know, for that one. Obviously, whatever the DC one is, but uh, the, the, the Flash Gordon one is one that I really want to try. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that it's, like, not coming out in, like, the actual, like, book book isn't coming out until May. Right. Um, but that's going to be one that I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that I get the free comic book day version of it. So I have the, the full run of it, you know? Right. Um, merchandise wise, uh, you know, they got the usual busts and lunch boxes and pins and all sorts of jazz like that and exclusive Funko pops and plushes. Now I will say, um, I, I don't need lunch boxes. But I really like that Spider-Man 2099 one. If they do ever do a uh, Scarlet Spider, is that what you're going to take to your super secret science job? Yes. Right. No, the lunch boxes are really nice. If they ever did a Doctor Doom like that, boy, oh boy, I'd be eating my sandwiches out of that. Yeah. They're doing a blanket, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is a double-sided Deadpool blanket that looks like uh, the original action figure from the 90s, and then a repro if Deadpool was in the Secret Wars action figures line thing. Right, which I think was actually a line of variant covers, you know what yes. I mean? Of characters who were never in that line of figures, but yeah. Yes. And they're doing a hero click of Harley Quinn reading a Harley Quinn comic book, and that reminds me, I got a lot of hero clicks in my basement that I got to figure out to do something with. Wait, they're going to become hot again, so you have to wait until like the the, the meter pins on that, and mm. you'll be good. Yeah, I got to check to see where that is, you know. Right, but but uh, lastly, mm-hmm. I knew sure. there was one thing, but go ahead. No, um. So for the promotional art for free comic book day this year, they always get like a name artist to do something to whip something up, you know, and this year it's Terry Moore. And this is the first time in a couple years that they're letting the artist who is doing the art 
do one of their characters or a character that they're known for. The last couple years, it's been like a name artist, but they just do like generic art, right? Right. It's just like, here's a bunch of people reading comic books and like a superhero-y comic book thing going on, right? Right. The You know, the non-trademarked look of a superhero. Yeah. And I think the last time that they did like a name creator with his name creation was they did a Madman shirt by Mike Allred. Right. And this year they're doing a Terry Moore shirt with him doing Strangers in Paradise, which is awesome. You know, we talked about that over on Previewing the Past. You know, the 30-year anniversary of that book just passed. And, uh, you know, to be included in this and, you know, say close enough to 30th anniversary, right? Right. Um, But, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, um, I know Terry Moore is still doing stuff with the characters, I know he just did like a a Kickstarter of like a lot of the characters from the books in more racy poses. Right. Uh, More power to him, I say. But uh, no, it's cool to to see this creation get like a showcase for free comic book day next year. Yep. And his art is so smooth, man. Yeah. One of the best of all time. And they're going to do a shirt in three acts. So they know their audience. And I'll say this. It's a. If you are a uh, gentleman of sizable carriage like myself, right? Um, it's not only do they do three X's in them, but they're usually pretty cheap. Yeah, they don't they don't they don't give you the fat man tax. Yeah, which is you know pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all the free comic book day stuff. I'm happy that they're like doing like a full rollout again for the first time in some time. Yep, I am too. Yeah. Now, this is another thing that you brought to my attention here, Todd. Because I felt you needed to know. Yeah. Just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tubi, uh, arguably the greatest streaming service of all. It is the, uh, it's the Piro, it's the top, the Piro mount of, uh, yes. of streaming services. I think somebody online a couple of weeks ago said that when the streaming wars are done, like in Demolition Man, right. and every restaurant in that future was named Taco Bell. Right. When this, or like the fast food wars in Demolition Man, when the streaming wars are done, they're all just going to be called Tubi. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But apparently Tubi has acquired the rights to Doctor Who. The classic run, yes. Yes. So that is what, the pre-2005 stuff? Yes, everything from Doctor 1 to Doctor 8. Um, so that's the, that's, uh, what is it, The who's your favorite master, Joe? Um Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. So that's that one. I, I don't know if that one's on it because it says it has over 600 episodes. And I don't know how many exactly there are of the classic run, but it's got to be around there somewhere, you know, obviously without the missing one. So I have a, I do have a belie- belief that it's going to at least be Dr. One to Dr. Seven, possibly the Fox movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which was a one-off, but so now we could do, a Patreon show where we do all 600 episodes of the classic episode, me and you just the way you've always wanted to. No, no, we're not doing that. No. Okay. Maybe we'll come up with something else. Now I know you're going to be surprised by this, Todd, right? But Eric Roberts has a lot of movies on uh, Tubi. Oh, so if it's there, he'll be right at home. And I know you're also going to be surprised by this, but Eric Roberts, 
Um, also appears to be in like a lot of movies with World Wrestling Entertainment superstars as well. There, there's our crossover. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, I didn't know he was related to Julia Roberts. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's Julia Roberts's brother. Like brother, brother. Wow. Yeah, cool for him. Like brother, brother, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, is the Doctor Who? What is this? No, sort of. It does not appear, at least at first glance. Um, his uh, Doctor Who is on here, right? But there's a Doctor Who documentary called Doctor Who Am I? Ooh, I might have to watch that. That Eric Roberts is in, mm-hmm. and that came up in my search. Um, I just looked up Doctor Who TV movie streaming, and it says that it's on Tubi for free. So yeah, I didn't like. I searched Eric Roberts, and it didn't come up. You know, right? No, I. But if we've you. learned, if we've learned nothing, the search functionality on Tubi, while Tubi is the greatest streaming service, it may not have the best search functionality. Uh, right. Maybe you have to put Eric Roberts and smush it all together. Ah, uh, that's that's true. You know, sometimes you have to make it a run-on name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's pretty cool. You know, if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's good to have them all together. I guess you know. Yep. 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 It's like uh, it's on the Tubi. I, I love it. I'm probably going to. Uh, uh, that's going to be my Sunday morning regiment. Now that law and order, the original run is off. That's what I would, when I have breakfast in the morning, I'll just watch all classic episodes of Dr. Who. Just start from the beginning and go from there. Right. I did that a few years back, mm. watch them all, like all the classic ones that were available. And I even listened to the audios of the ones that weren't available. So I didn't miss anything, Joe. So I'm really cool. Just like my mom said. Mm-hmm. Now, it does say that the first four-part thing of the first season, uh, The Unearthly Child, is not available. Really? Yeah, it says here, uh, due to current rights disputes. Okay. um, With the writer of those episodes, and this was a story from about a month or so ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the copyrights over there are ve- are very different from over here. Like, if you create something over there, you own a piece of it. Yes. And that's, like, wh- why later, when the guy who created the Daleks, um, he, like, when they, when the show came back in the 2000s, it was like, oh, they, they did a whole episode. And... Uh, with the ones that the Dalek comes back in, but they didn't know at the time when they're filming it if they had the rights yet or not so they were like working around the effects and it was like if not it's going to be this alien and these rewrites and stuff like that so it's very confusing but uh i'm glad people are you know are, t- are getting the bag if they created something you know yeah um and there's a whole big long tweet thread from i guess the son of the guy who wrote the episodes right um, a while back, I can't, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but a while, and I'm not going to do an English accent either. A while back, I canceled the BBC's license to show or use in any way my late father's uh, first four Doctor Who episodes. Now they offer me a pittance to relicense them. I sent them my counter offer and set, instead. Let's see how much they want them. And then he proceeds to go on for a very long time. 
they didn't want them for that price. Apparently not. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Again, luckily I I don't like any uh, all the forms of entertainment that I like are completely uh, unproblematic, and there's all never rights issues or music issues or any issues like that with them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying nothing. Uh, so hey, there's a convention this weekend, even though it is Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, that would be Fan Expo San Francisco is this weekend. Is that one making money? Uh, well, you tell me. Here's uh, some of the guest list. Uh, Mark Silvestri, Art Adams, Eric Larson, Tom Grummet, Tony Harris, Kevin McGuire, Dan Brereton, and the aforementioned Jeremy Adams, who we'll only bring up one more time during the course of this. And then on the media guest side, Henry Winkler is a notable uh, potable for me, but they have both Ewan McGregor and Mark Hamill there. And that's the oh. first time I've seen Mark Hamill's name pop out, uh, pop up for a convention in a very long time. Well, he's still he's still you know traumatized, but when the time Homer had to save him, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then they did the dinner theater together, right? Right. Yep. Uh, so we'll have the link to that convention if you're a West Coast person, you're wanting to head out to that convention, of course. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving is done by like four o'clock on Thursday anyway, so you got all the time in the world, right? Yep. Uh, also, over in the show notes, link to that convention, and also information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com and soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the network go live, of course, you can find them at their own individual sites, whatever podcatcher that you're using, but one-stop shop, soon-to-be-named-network.com, you can find them all. And that includes this show, of course. This also includes Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, which those last two are doing a crossover this Thursday for Thanksgiving. Uh, We also have Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, and there's been a threat of an episode of Hayabusi this week. Oh, I hope it's released and or escapes. Yes, Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to that. I hope it comes out before Thanksgiving because I will make my family listen to it at Thanksgiving. Wow. Um, But you can also check out links to some of our other friends and some of the stuff that they're up to in and around the Internet. Uh, Go check out Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. He just recently put up a post of a bunch of, like, 90s dollar books and, like, cheapo books that he found. And, of course, there was still bagged Superman 75s in there. Oh, wow. 75? Yes. Uh, You know. 70 yeah the, the you know the death of yeah yeah the death of still uh hermetically sealed you know i was thinking of the adventures what the white one that like you couldn't give away because too many people bought them right no he he had like issues of that he had issues of 75 he had issues of profit a bunch of like stuff like that you know mm-hmm. uh go check out our friend kevin's blog over at hellions team.com Go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. He's got stickers and pins and all sorts of like little resin things based on sci-fi, fantasy, and wrestling sort of stuff. You can go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, which is still available a la carte over on his Indiegogo, his self-published comic. You can also go check out Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, number one, over at FortressOfComicNews.com. That's his self-published comic. You can go check out our friend Dave of the band cave people on his website cavedomaincomics.com he's got two 
self-published books, Mending and Keeper. Check them both out there. And if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store, Comics on the Green. I have Dave's Facebook page linked up here. I'll let you know when the books are in on both Tuesday and Wednesday because that's how things get shipped in the, these days. He'll let you know when all the final order cutoff dates are for the latest and greatest and hottest books. And he'll give you extensive tours of the collections that get dropped off at his doorstep of mint Silver Age key issues from the 60s. Yep. And now, speaking of the comic book shop, it is time for another edition of Becky's My Walk Down Lois Lane. Welcome back to My Walk Down Lois Lane. This week, we're going to cover issue number 14 from 1960. The front cover has Lois, dressed like Batwoman, telling Superman that she's done with him and she's going to marry Batman instead. But I don't want to cover that story. I want to cover the second story that's in here. So let's dive in. Lois and Clark are working at the Daily Planet, where Lois is filling in for the advice column. Just as she's finished typing up that the only way this one girl will ever be a model is if she blindfolds the photographer, yes, that's really in there, she starts reading a letter from a boy at a training camp. Perry interrupts them and tells them he needs to go to Camp Jones because there's a retired general and he needs them to cover the story. When they show up, all of the men are very excited to see Lois, including this poor, unfortunate, short and ugly boy named Eddie. Eddie tells Lois that he's loved her from afar, reads all of her columns, and gave her a cake. She tells him thank you, but the second his back is turned, she throws the cake in the garbage and tells Clark that this cake is as disgusting as that boy's face. Eddie approaches her again and asks her if she would please join him at a dance. She tells him yes and gives him a kiss on the cheek. Clark confronts her and asks her why she would say yes to a date when she finds him unattractive, and she drags him outside and shows him a movie poster. She points at the producer's name and said, This is that boy's father. I'm going to date him, and then I'm going to get a movie contract and make Superman jealous. Clark tells her this is a bad idea. She tells him mind his own business. She goes to the dance with Eddie, where she purposely spills a punch bowl on him, and the second he leaves, starts dancing with a different soldier and claiming that she hates dancing with short and unattractive men. The men at this point begin to tell Eddie that it seems like Lois is using him, but he doesn't want to hear it. He says he can't eat, he can't sleep, he loves her, he has to be with her. Absolute twitch mod behavior. Eddie goes AWOL before Saturday night and runs into a cafe where Lois and Clark are. Right before the military police show up to throw him in a deep, dark hole, he asks Lois to marry him and she agrees. The wedding is being held at the training camp and the boy's father shows up with a ton of cameras. Just as they're about to say vows, Lois starts crying and telling Eddie that she's just using him to make Superman jealous and runs away. Eddie, absolutely distraught by this news, gets in a helicopter and starts flying around erratically, telling his dad that he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. Superman, finally sick of all of this, flies up and rescues Eddie, bringing the helicopter back down. His father confronts him and tells him, what the heck is going on here? And Eddie explains to him, well, this was all an act to impress you. A few weeks ago, I wrote to the Planet's letter column asking how I could convince you I could be an actor. Remember you told me I had no talent? As a coincidence, Lois got an assignment to Camp Jones. She contacted me and suggested that we act out this script. She's going to play the part of a two-timer, and I'd play the role of a jilted lover who'd go to pieces when she rejected me. The father is thrilled by this boy's acting and tells him that he no longer has to go to military, that he can now be in some of his movies. Lois turns around, tells Superman that he's an idiot and she tricked him, and the producer said, yeah, that's how I know my son is a good actor. He fooled even Superman. Now, 
I firmly believe that Silver Age Lois Lane is too good for Superman, but there's a lot of these stories where Lois is not a very nice person. Although, in this one, she kind of did this poor kid a favor. Shout out to Eddie and his acting career. Thank you very much, Becky. Again, she's going through her favorite story. She's not reading the entire uh, Lois Lane book, because back then you would get like a digest-sized thing, or it'd be like 40 pages, and there'd be like three, four, five stories in them. So she's just giving us a sampling of some of her favorites. Yep, cherry-picking right there. Right. Um, but I did have to ask her, because as she was reading, she was discussing the, the character who was involved with Lois Lane, and he was like, he did this, and that's like typical, and she said, Twitch mod behavior and i was like so i went in and i was like first of all i'm like what is twitch mark behavior i thought that's what she said <laughs> she didn't know what i meant and she's like oh do you mean twitch mod behavior because my brain went to mark you know like that word that you guys use so lovingly all the time oh come on and now she, and she proceeded to explain it to me and now i still have no idea what's going on so all right but otherwise great episode Thank you very much, Becky, for uh, sharing these with us. And again, as you mentioned before, um, you know, some of these books, if they're available out there, they're not too, too expensive. Um, right. You know, because back then, you know, the, the lowest of the low books had like 400,000 print runs, you know? Yep. You're not going to find stuff in great conditions, but if you really want those lowest lanes, you'll find them. Yep. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to begin? I would like to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was Green Lantern number five, um, written by Jeremy Adams. This is the third time we're mentioning him, and art by Zermanico. Um, this is what Sinestro's plan is with the drones he has stolen from Ferris uh, Air, and he's releasing them. And we're not sure quite at the beginning a little bit what what's going on. Um, he's trying to instill fear. Um, obviously, because that's his bit. Um, so Hal's like, well, I'm going to stop them. You know, he green lanterns up and goes, and there's multiple uh, drones, and he stopped stopping them. And then, you know, they, we end up finding out that they have a cloaking device, so it's making it a little bit harder. Um, and finally, he does this great trick, which I really haven't seen before, where he has to take uh, make two constructs at the same time. Um, all the while, like, uh, Ferris Air is hunting down where Sinestro is, you know, transmitting from. And he ends up going, you know, to confront him. And we get the gist of his plan, like, to what it was and everything. And in the end, um, he's like, well, maybe that didn't work. But maybe you doing what you did made this work, um, which is very interesting. And it may lead into, like, my thinking that it has something to do with why Hal's ring is able to do new and weird things. Um, maybe, like, everything's connected, what's going on. But either way, like I've said, I love Jeremy Adams's uh, take on Green Lantern. Love this book. Uh, I highly recommend because I didn't mention it last time. If you can read the issue before it, where he teams up with uh, he teams up with uh, Barry Allen, one of one of my favorite issues of the year. Um, yeah, looks great. Like I said, I, Hal looks the way I, he should, and the bits with like the constructs and everything just looks absolutely amazing. Love this book. So uh, 
I like that Sinestro is the villain right out the bat. Right. But Sinestro was kind of in the background almost for the first two or three issues, kind of setting up his pieces before we get to this moment here. Uh, So much about uh, the run has been about rebuilding Hal's new status quo as a Green Lantern who's trapped on Earth. But obviously, as we mentioned before, Sinestro's also trapped on Earth as well. Uh, They have that standoff in the bar where Sinestro is like desperate, like, give me your ring, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, that's another moment where we get to see that maybe the ring that Hal Jordan made for himself maybe could do some different things. It's not going to work for Sinestro, all those sort of things, right? Uh, And then Sinestro's plan, you know, while being evil, you know, uh, it's more so to generate fear so that he could power up his ring and get off of Earth. And Hal Jordan thwarts his plan with unforeseen consequences, no spoilers, right? Mm -hmm. But that was a great bit at the end, right? Yep. How did I know you were going to be okay with Sinestro doing things? <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, you know, we, we talked about this before. Really been enjoying this. Very down to earth. Very back to basics for Hal Jordan uh, stuff. Rebuilding that relationship with him and Carol, of course, being like such a main thing and building off the previous um, issue of the conversation that he has with Barry, where it's like she's with somebody else. You could still love her by not being a pain in the butt, right? Yep, yep, yep. And making her life not miserable. And you could still, you know, have that relationship with her. And I think that's a new bridge to cross for Hal Jordan. In yes, any, I, yep. Yeah. But, and next issue, we find out why Hal has been exiled to Earth. So, like, we're heading in the directions of things I want to see, you know? So, yeah. And uh, this may be a controversial stance. Uh-oh. Um, the second feature in this book. Okay. Uh, I think it looks really nice. But maybe I don't care about baby Sinestro. What? How dare you? Do you know what it feels like? And don't. And I don't want like people to think that I didn't like that, that story. But it feels a lot like Ray's storyline in the first uh The Force Awakens. Okay. I don't know. I just feel like that's what I'm getting a lot of with uh with the with that storyline. I don't know. It's just weird. I, I I they're trying to make baby Sinestro happen when we already have a perfectly good Sinestro still doing cool stuff. Right. I think if we didn't have a Sinestro doing cool stuff I'd be like, I'll accept your baby Sinestro. Come here, but come here, little guy. Let's talk, right? Right. Um, eh, you know, it is what it is. They're trying. We already got the announcement of the book with him and Zod Jr. That's coming out in like March or whatever. I was a little bit more um, ready to accept that a month ago. Eh, maybe not so much this one. Right. Yeah. I'll probably give it a try just because I have a feeling it's going to dovetail into Super Sun somehow. Yeah. It's by the same creative team. Patrick Gleason uh, as the writer, and I forget who the artist is, And even though the art is really nice, you know? Uh, So I guess the other book that we're going to discuss is the book I was most looking forward to coming out this past week, which was Superior Spider-Man number one, written by Dan Slott, art by Mark Bagley. Could not be a more perfect team to do a Spider-Man book 
here. Um, so it's a continuation of the Superior Spider-Man Returns one shot that we had last month. Um, obviously, we're do- using a lot of the iconography of when Doc Ock was Spider-Man. Right. But Doc Ock is not Spider-Man in this book. There's a continuation of the Returns book. The uh, person that Doc Ock as Superior Spider-Man created when trying to create that energy source, uh, the girl Supernova, obviously she's now looking for Spider-Man, not realizing that it's a different person. Um, So Pete's just like, well, I'm just not going to be Spider-Man, right? I'm just mm-hmm. going to... And she won't know where I'm gone, and hopefully that'll get rid of her. Um, I feel I, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about tiptoeing around the, like the the end of the main the main story, right? Right. But I feel as though like you need to know that happens. But I'm not gonna say it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I read this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I did not understand. I mean, they explain. Like, I'll, I'll give Dan Slot credit. He he explains everything that goes on with Spider Boy and how you know Peter was in a multiverse world where Uncle Ben had lived, and he ends up having this sidekick, and he comes over to this world. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of grasping all this. It's there. I don't. I don't really care about Spider Boy because you know he's new. It's like I'm. I like. I think. Like you said, I think they're trying to make Spider-Boy happen. And I'm like, you know, we got Spider-Man. But as it goes on, I'm like, all right. I'm just very confused. I thought this was going to be a superior Spider-Man Doc Ock book other than Doc Ock. So I don't know. I don't know what my expectations were. I don't know. It was a fun story. There was a couple of moments that made me laugh out loud. Like when uh, Supernova shows up to attack and Spider-Boy's like, where do you want me? And he's like, because it's, you know, an A-level threat. He's like, New Jersey. You know, because he doesn't want him to get hurt. That's kind of cool. But uh, all around, I was just a little confused, a little underwhelmed. It looked nice. I'm never going to bag on Bagley. You know what I mean? Um, So I don't know. It it wasn't for me, but then again, I'm not the Spider-Man guy of this show. So Right. Remember before when I said, um, why do we need baby Sinestro when we have a perfectly good Sinestro doing Sinestro things? That's kind of what I was getting at, yeah. Why do we need a Spider-Boy when we have multiple perfectly good Spider-Men doing Spider-Man things? And spider women and spider girls. And like, it's the same thing like where I was reading Speed Force this week. I tried to read Speed Force this week. Like I said, doing it to fill my collection of speed, you know, speedster books. And it was just like, there are so many speedsters that I can't keep up anymore. And I, th- that old joke that we always do if, uh, you know, if everything's a super kick, nothing's a super kick. If everybody's a flash, and everybody's a Spider-Man, and everybody's a Batman, and everybody's a Superman. To me, it waters down everything. And every time, I'm, I'm an old, I understand it, and I'm yelling at clouds. But every time someone does, it's like, here's another character that is this, but slightly different. Like The one thing I will say, I did like the idea of how Spider-Boy's powers work. Where it's instead of having a spider sense like Peter that he knows he's in danger, his spider sense lets him know when other people are in danger. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting and new take on something. But 
that was an ex- that wasn't explained to me till the second story, the 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 co feature or whatever. Right. And then I was even more confused when I read that story. So that's more so. So I'm okay with the main story. You know, there's like two and almost like now three mainline six one six Spider Man continuities that are going on concurrent with each other and they do not cross over in the slightest there's the zeb wells um amazing spider-man stuff right right there's the dan slot spider verse stuff which is you know spider-man and the spider boy introduction and now this that's a it's mainline main continuity but it does not cross over in any way shape or form with the zeb wells stuff and then they just announced a new book which is separate from all of that, which is the first time that Peter and Miles are a team. Okay. Okay, and then we're not even going to get into the new Ultimate Spider-Man that just got announced, where they're bringing back the marriage of Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Again, that's Ultimate Universe, not counting that, but we have three concurrent Spider-Man stories, mythos, whatever, that have nothing to do with each other. Right. And before we get, uh, you know, told we have a, a you know, a, a Marvel hate, it's the same thing with Batman, man. Right. So. But Batman, I could let it slide a little bit because I get it. So, okay. So I get right now, I got the crossover for Batman. We talked off mic last week and I paired some of the ancillary books down. Right. Right. Right now, all I'm getting is Batman and Nightwing. Nightwing is different enough, and I'm loyal enough to Tom Taylor. I could stick with that book whether Batman's involved or not. Right. And you're just talking ongoing then. Right. But whereas, even like it was Dan Slott and Mark Bagley doing the Spider-Man book, and it was all the... um, you know, it was all the spider versus stuff and it was Ezekiel and it was Morlun and all that stuff. Right. Right. So different. So separate. What was going on in amazing Spider-Man, even though it was Dan Slott and Mark Bagley, I'm like, I could skip this one. Right. Then they come in and now they're doing superior Spider-Man. I got no choice. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. But then we do the second feature which is a flashback to the original run from 10 years ago on Superior Spider-Man, and they somehow put Spider-Boy into that as well. Yeah, that had me completely confused, because I didn't understand how the Spider-Verse stuff, where Spider-Boy is from, where Uncle Ben was still alive. I'm like, so was he still Superior Spider-Man in that universe? So Or Doc Ock was? So that... Uh, that's that timeline, and he's remembering it? Yes. I don't know. So I get it's Dan Slott trying to weave all of his Spider-Man stuff that he is writing and has written into one cohesive storyline, and that's great. That's going to be a thing that could break me off this book. Right. He's trying to make it one sacred timeline. Yeah, and I don't need that. But no, I, want I get to, it. I, I want... Doc Ock back as Superior Spider-Man. And I don't think we're going to get it in this book, but I'm still going to hang out for a little bit to see where we get to, right? Right. I think we're just going to get flashbacks here now and then. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, Like I said, I I still liked it. 
but it's a book that like doesn't feel important. Okay. Yeah. Which I hate to say, but it is what it is, you know? Right. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. We are currently tied at 32 correct guesses apiece, which could be as equally tied as 132 or zero. <laughs> right. Um, looking at your list since I started, I have a question about one thing. It's not a book, but I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Batman Offworld number one. It is Batman Offworld number one. Yes. Because Jason Aaron doing Batman, I'm looking forward to this. With art by uh, Doug Monkey. Oh boy, sign me up. Right. What was your question, if I may? Um, You guess my book and then we'll get into it because I have a feeling it might be a discussion. Okay. Is it also Batman Offworld number one? It is also Batman Offworld number one. Right. Uh, for the same reason that you mentioned, it's Jason Aaron's first work in a long time at DC. Even though he says he doesn't really have any work at DC other than scalped at Vertigo slash Black Label. And I'm like, that Penguin one-shot counts. That Penguin one-shot counts. The two issues of Hellblazer that he did counts. And then he did a four-issue miniseries uh, at Vertigo about, like, war. Right. Which was like the precursor to Scalped. It had nothing to do with Scalped, but it was like what led to him doing Scalped. Anyway, uh, one of the items that I see on your list here, Todd, is the Sandman Morpheus Helm Masterpiece Edition. Yes, sir. He came in, picked it up. This, you know, I, I was allowed because DC sells their books today, so I was able to get it as we record today. And uh, it's very nice, Joe. <laughs> very nice i took some pictures i had some help unboxing it now um okay it so wasn't a that, pizza so that was a question i was going to ask because um with the recent shipping changes of the last three years did everything come okay yes everything well you mean uh you mean was anything broke or anything like missing? was the box dinged up was um, like did they just put a sticker outside the main box and hope for no. the best or, like, no, did they okay. actually take care in shipping this to you? I will be sh putting out some pictures of it because I took some pictures. But, okay, so imagine the box that has the picture of the helm on it and everything. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you know, it's like, oh, it's a picture of what's in it. It tells you blah, blah, blah. So that, they put that in another box, like uh, like a shipper box. And they put, like, corner protectors on it and everything and then tape that one up. Then they put that box in a slightly bigger box and then put, um, uh, it wasn't a bubble wrap, but it was bigger bubble wrap. Do you know what I mean? Like where the bubbles are huge. Well, I, listen, I know what regular bubble wrap goes for. It's very expensive. It's like $12 a roll. I heard, I heard. Um, so I got, I got that and they, or they put that around it. So it was in that. And then that box had, uh, boxes around it that it wouldn't fit in. So they took 
two boxes and kind of like put one over one end and one over the other end and then tape those together so it was extra protected. That being said, there there was like a few like, you know, and I don't want to say dings in the box, but it, I'm fine with it because it's it's whatever. It's a big honking box that people had to manhandle. So whatever. But the books and stuff inside it and the helm itself, gorgeous, came with like a set of five prints. It has the letter because apparently this there's a package that's being sent to somebody. So there's a letter in there that goes with the package. And that's the original story. I haven't opened that yet. Um, and then there's... Uh, the way the books sit in the helm is really cool. And then you know how the bone comes out of the nose of the helm, which is like yes. the spine. They give you two of those. So if you want to have the helm stick off the shelf at the note, like the nose will be at the edge of a shelf. You get like a six inch vertebrae that you could slide into the nose. And I think there's a magnet that holds it. I'm not 100% sure. But if you're scared of that and you're like, oh, if I walk by the shelf, I could bump it and break it. They give you a little nub of a vertebrae that you could put it all the way on the shelf and it lays flat. And it's real, it's really cool. And I'm really glad I went with the comic book uh, replica one of the black. The black pops, Joe. It looks so good. The only thing that would look better was would be the white one and the green one next to it. Right. So that was the other thing I was going to ask was because I know there was – We'd been watching the San Diego Comic Con exclusive one, which was the white one. Yeah, limited to twenty five editions only. Right, and I knew there was the black and the green one, and I was wondering which one you'd went with, and you went with the black one, not the green one, right? Right, because the green one is more reminiscent of the TV show version, and I don't know if you know this, Joe. I really like the Sandman comic, so I went with the one that reminds me of the looks like the one that is in almost every issue of Sandman that it appears. Gotcha. Now that was going to be my other question: Is have you made an offer on the twenty twenty three one yet, or the, the, the green one? No. Well, the green ones uh, were a comic shop exclusives. You can only get them there. Um, so I haven't. I didn't even look to see what were they were selling for on eBay. I don't know. Maybe uh, our retailer might even be able to still get them. Who knows? Mm. But if I got that one. But uh, then that would maybe make me want to get the white one. So I'm thinking if I only have one of three, I'm not pulling many triggers. But if I have two of three, it would make me want to get a third one. Do a little mortgage on the house. little, you know. So Man, I don't know. A real fan probably has all three, right? You know what? I'm somewhere between you and your other co-host. Mm. When it works, it works. When it doesn't, it doesn't. I can't be enabled if I don't want to be. Gotcha. I hear you. I hear you. The, the the Most likely, I would be enabled if I was on the 50-yard line and you were – I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I don't, I don't want to spend $2,000, so it's probably not going to happen. But if I was like, oh, if that was like 1000 and I had more than that laying in PayPal – you could probably enable me. So, well, the green, like I said, the, the green one, you know, I, I see as low as four hundred dollars, as high as six hundred dollars. Practically a steal. Practically. My um, God, how good would the three of them look on a shelf, though? Uh, listen, I don't know. Do you have that sort of shelf space in your house, Todd? I would buy a shelf to do that. Then, okay. 
a week. Well, you know what? If you're spending that kind of money, what's a shelf at? Uh, right. What's a shelf? You need a shelf. Who doesn't need a shelf? I need a shelf. It would be just shelves, you know, whatever. Who wants to be shellfish? You got to buy, you know? So have you displayed the one that you have currently? Okay, define display. If by uh, you mean, is it still in the shipper box laying on my coffee table in my TV room? Then I'm displaying it. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I figured... It would have been the centerpiece, maybe at Thanksgiving, like ready for Thanksgiving oh, this weekend. Instead of just walk in with my arm, push the cornucopia off the center of the table, put the Sandman helm there. Take the books out and put the stuffing in the back part. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That would be so good. Sandmandy tasty. So, but yeah, no, I have it. And that'll probably, I'm nowhere to lie, Joe. Um, until I, you know, that'll probably sit in that box. If I'm the guy who doesn't need to display. I'm the guy who just needs to know I have the thing that I want. Right. Um, and I'm happy with that. So now I have to see if, uh, if I want to try and pry open the envelope to, uh, read the story or look online to maybe have someone read, uh, uh read the letter to me. As of this recording, uh, a scan of that letter has not appeared online yet. But a uh, a video of somebody unboxing one of these ah. has done it, and they did a dramatic reading of the letter. Gotcha. So if push comes to shove, I can get you. I can get you access to that. You know what I mean? Perfect. So, but I have a feeling one will come to the forefront before too long. All right. So uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and of course, the current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are reading through all of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. It all ties together with the Morpheus Masterpiece Edition helm that just came out. We are wrapping up uh, Endless Nights, uh, the original graphic novel. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to turn things over to Todd, and I'm just going to chime in every now and then here, give my voice a little bit of a rest. Yep. Um, we left off on the Sandman, so, uh, as you said, Delirium is next. Um, written by Neil Gaiman. Art by Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, well, I'll talk about the art a little bit when it's over. So, um, basically, it starts out, and there's a, a young woman who in, in, in bed, and she's kind of catatonic and i guess her mother's watching her and she kind of says that like nothing you know she hasn't moved or anything since it happened it happened which you know i'm guessing something that made her you know despair if you will and through the series of story and this is one of them that i'm gonna tr not like rapid fire through but uh, i'll explain why when it's over um they start going from like uh, people who have obviously been afflicted by despair. There's like four or five of them. And we find out that it is Barnabas, the uh, delirium's dog, who was once destruction's dog and Matthew uh, rallying them up because they, they need them for something. And each one of them has their own random, like, you know, things about them that are either like the mentally, you know, unstable or like one person thinks this is talking to him, that kind of stuff. And we find out that it looks like Daniel 
is asking uh, uh, Matthew and Barnabas to, to get these people because they're the only ones who could survive inside Delirium's realm slash headspace, whatever, because even he's like, no, like I wouldn't last at hurt or worst, uh, you know, five minutes. We find out something happened and she went deep inside herself. Um, and these people kind of pull her out. And when that happens, it kind of unlocks uh, the main character from the beginning um, is no longer uh, weighed down by despair and comes out of their, their kind of, you know, catatonic state, you know, uh, stuff like that. This is a very heady comic where it almost reads more like Grant Morrison than it does uh neil gaiman to me but it it's for despair and in the end this book was this story was either too far over my head or i just didn't like because it was like weird for the sake of being weird because it was delirium um that being said bill sinkevich versions of delirium is gorgeous with the the coloring and everything um the other characters not so much for me i'm not bill sinkevich's style works for me or it doesn't but in this, some of the stuff is absolutely gorgeous. Some not so much. This to me is just a middle of the road story. If you have any notes, hit me. But this one w- was past me, you know. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you in that. Um, the story itself was not the weakest, but definitely not great. Mm-hmm. I got what they were trying to go for, and you know, this is a different time of Bilson Kevich art. This is not. New Mutants era Bilson Cabbage art for better or for worse. Right. And there's parts in here where his stuff pops like you wouldn't believe. And then there's other parts in here where his art looks like a mess. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think maybe um maybe in the hands of a different artist this would have worked better. Um I know we had that despair story when we read it last week where I felt as though it was a, it was a, I forgot the artist's name, but it was like, Oh, um, inspired by, or with help from Dave McKeon. Right. Right. His name was Baron story. There you go. Um, I feel as though some of the Sinkevich stuff while not being outwardly told it was inspired by Dave McKeon stuff. It feels like there's Dave McKean influence. See, I, I could see what you're saying about that, but I swear to God, Dave McKean, I'd have to go back and look, might be influenced by Sienkiewicz's stuff at times, because right. I, don't know the time, which, I don't know the timeline. Which um, is weird. Like, who was first, you know what I mean? But I've seen so much of Bill's artwork over the years. Like, he did a Daredevil, do you remember like when they did those original graphic novels, like, back in the day, I'm talking the 80s. The Electra one. The Electra one. And I remember getting that and hating it in the 80s because I was like 14 years old, 15 years old, and I did not get it. Did not understand Bill's art. And now maybe I didn't like that, but I'm the same way here. I've seen all this style over the years from him, from sketches, from commissions, from art projects, from like printed stuff. So this is all him naturally, but it's just reminiscent of Bill, uh, Dave McKean. So that, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to explain. It just seems, you know, similar, if you will. Right. For someone like Sinkevich, who has st- such a unique art style, mm-hmm. to see him 
not ape, but to be inspired or attempt to draw like the style of someone else, no matter who it is, you could see it. Like, it, it mm-hmm. kind of sticks out like a sore thumb a little bit. Right. See, my thing is with Bill, especially, is he doesn't have a style, which, I, like, he was one of the few guys that, like, there are a few artists when I was in the art game that I did not, like, would not want to pay for something because you would see them wildly swing on their art styles. Okay. Like, all right. All right. I'm going to give you painted stuff like delirium. Then I'm going to give you this scritchy scratch. Like it's warlock from the new mutants. And it's all like avant garde and stuff like that. Just because that was the mood I was in today. And I could, I'll, you know, I'm not, I'd never bag on any of There's a couple other ones that I got multiple sketches. Cause I kind of became friends with, and they were like, night and day every other one it was like i don't know he was like yeah i was trying i was trying something different i was doing it and like when you're paying those artists worry me the most because you don't know if you're going to get them at their a game or their lazy game i gotcha so but uh on to the next story which is a destruction with art by glenn fabry um there's this, uh, I forget the main character. Rachel is the main character. And she's, you know, living in the city and she's having various dreams about uh, the world being destroyed. And she ends up, you know, talking to her, to her friend and he ends up saying, well, I'm doing this archaeological dig that's kind of, you know, on a peninsula that's all hush hush, you know, in, uh, in Europe somewhere, maybe Greece, I forget. Um, but he's like, let's go. And they get there, and he, she had to sign waivers and all this kind of thing. And she's like, what's so special about this? It's like this peninsula, this this thing, this thing jutting out, this rock jutting on the ground. And he's like, it wasn't here before. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, well, here, let me show you something. And he shows her uh, a penny, and the penny at, at this time uh, was engraved in two, at 2019, which was in the future. And he's like, she's like, oh, so maybe it's just a gag or, you know, whatever. It's like... I don't know. I have a whole bunch, you know? Um, and she's like, and, and there's other stuff that you'll see. So while they're there, they go off to the local town and they end up seeing uh, delirium and destruction there. And they're like talking about like, are they dating? Are they, you know, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, brother and sister, father and daughter, whatever. Um, the guy and her end up having, you know, a relationship while they're on the island or the peninsula. Um, and she's later doing an archaeological dig and she like finds something which looks like a, a cell phone. And she's like, oh, I try to get it out. And destruction shows up. and He's like, hey, let me help you. She's like, oh, what's worse for an archaeological dig than an amateur? And he, she ends up, you know, having him put his big strong hands around hers. And that's something that she kind of says, and he gets the thing out. Um, and she ends up offering him a job and she's like, help me take this stuff out. And they end up finding more technological stuff. And she's like, Oh, like I found bullets and there's all kind of weird things here. And she's like in this and it glows and he goes nuts and like whips it into the water and it blows up. She explains, what was that? And he's like, you know, doing the technical jargon. It was a hunter killer slug. He's like, ah, and he's like, yeah, bullets and other stuff have all the same feeling, but cause he's destruction. He knows what devices of destructions feel like to him. He's like, ah, it's kind of different. It was easy to spot kind of a deal. 
Um, she's like, you know, she's kind of becoming more and more enamored with him. Um, so the next day she goes to the cafe and delirium's there and she ends up talking to her. Um, and she's like, delirium's like just spewing stuff as she often does. And she kind of explains maybe the peninsula is there because destruction and delirium are in the same spot and weird things happen that they're together. Maybe not. Cause she's never, um, uh, thing. And she tries to explain what it is, but obviously it's delirium. Um, and she ends up saying, which is one of the few times they kind of mentioned the last story. She says that he's watching her because he went deep in, she went deep inside, which was the last story. And the family asked her, him to watch her for a little bit, which is weird because at this point, this is one contradictory thing in the story that bothers me is because they established he left after brief lives um, to go away again. And he only came back to talk to Daniel for a hot second. And he was going to be a way where they couldn't contact him. So I don't know how they contact him. I don't know why that's a pet peeve of mine, but uh, we see, we see what that is. And she ends up saying that his name is Joe, because that's as good as name as anything. Cause you're not going to understand it. Um, and she talks to him to destruction again. And, you know, he talks about, how his sister's weird and everything. And he's like, you don't even know the half of it. Um, and she's talking about how, when they touch, she has these like strong hands that will always remind him of her, uh, him to her. The next day, the government shows up. Cause obviously all the stuff we've been talking about and they end up saying they're taking it all in. And she's like, y- you can't like we can, we're, you know, we're the government. We bought the rights. And she goes, and he's like, and you got to come with us too. And she does the whole, thing whether it's real or not i have all the information on a computer and if it doesn't hear from me in 24 hours it goes global and they're like huh okay um so they kind of let her go and she goes back to the cafe to sit and watch the thing and the next day the island peninsula disappears and she's not sure what happened she thinks maybe it was one of those slugs again that that blew up and she didn't see delirium or destruction who she doesn't know who they are but she hopes they got away and now all she can think about is that man and his the the, the big strong hands that she had so once again she's dreaming about destruction but in a different way which may be better or worse i don't know you know what i mean um but an interesting story and glenn fabry's art i'm never gonna bag on it's it's really really good not gonna bag on glenn fabry's art mm-hmm. but do you feel that it was intentionally inked definitely colored possibly to mo- look like steve dylan art on purpose um, I, it looks a lot like Steve Dillon stuff. Yes. And I'm not saying I, that in a bad way. Again, at the no, time no. coming out, you know, we're hot off preacher and everything else like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt as though maybe it was an intention. Like, well, we couldn't get Steve Dillon and Glenn Favre does preacher stuff. Eh, maybe we'll just, uh, have his stuff inked and colored. So it looks kind of sort of like that. Right. Yeah, don't know on that. You can't imagine where, you know, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this is one of the rare instances in which I will say that I wish that we um, gotten more destruction stuff. 
I like the fact that we got a little of him throughout the course of the entirety of Sandman. But when I read something like this, it makes me wish we got more of him. Right. And I'm always of the mind because of that, you you, be glad you didn't get more. I, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to explain. Like leaving you wanting more is always a good thing. Like, um, except for death as a character, he, Neil can write death as, as long as I want, as you want for me. But that's kind of the way I look at it. He's such a great character that I don't know. I don't want more. Like we've seen glimpses of him in, you know, the, the, the Morpheus story in this, if you will, and other stuff. And for me, that's just the right amount because we've got the, same amount of the rest of the endless as we did destruction, except for maybe death because he was, she was the closest to Morpheus. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Everybody got there five minutes as far as I was concerned. And I'm good with that. But, but I thought this was good. Um, yep. You know, it's some interesting, um, you know, like I said, it, it was very good. Right. And I almost, I mean, I don't want to short shrift, uh, Destiny, but Destiny's story is uh, art by Frank Quitely, um, and it's just explaining his role. It is, it is almost unentertaining the Destiny story because that's what Destiny as a character is: is he knows it all, he sees it all, um, he holds the entire universe in his book, and it basically just discusses. Um, what it's what it is to be him and he's like what's in his book the entire universe your life every detail of your life everything that's happened to you everything that will happen one day the things you've forgotten and the things that you don't believe you know and then it just it just it's a very poetic way to describe that the book contains everything and they even discuss that is it chained to him or is he chained to it and we'd never be able to lift it. But in the end, he is holding a book inside the book is the, the universe that all the stories that we read are in his book. Um, Frank Quitely's art is beautiful, but I, I think destiny is one of them that he always has to be a supporting character because how boring is the destiny story? He, he can never be the lead. Mm -hmm. That's why this is so short, right? Right. Um, This was a great excuse for Frank Quatley to draw all the members of the Endless. Right. Um, I'm sure you've seen that poster by Frank Quatley of the Endless. I own that poster by Frank Quatley of the Endless. I have that in my my dining room, right? Yep, yep. Uh, I love that so much. And there was one part in this, um, whether it's intentional or not, and again, I'm not really sure how to take it, because typically when you see um, Destiny in any of these things, he's got a very stoic look on his face, a very still look on his face, you know, no, you know, no emotion one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. But there's the one page um, where, as you had mentioned, that it contains, it says, like, it contains everything that has happened or will happen to anyone you've ever met, anyone you've heard of, anyone you've never heard of, right? And then there's the bottom page where it's all like the book is open and there's all the naked people there. Right. And he's looking down on them. Am I reading maybe that he's got like the the hint of almost a smile? 
You know what? I'm just going to say it's the angle. Okay. I, I, I can get what you're saying. I, if if Neil and Frank quietly said that was the intention, I would believe it. And if they said it wasn't their intention, it's just because it's a downward angle of, of Destiny's face, I would believe it too. Um, it's very open to interpretation. And my interpretation is he's not smiling. Okay. That's all. That's all I can say. Right. Again, it's all um, open to um, interpretation, opinions. That's mm-hmm. just my thoughts and feelings on that in particular, right? Uh, so, of course, Todd has been... So, next week, uh, we have the first two issues of Dream Hunters. Right, which will be doing the comic, not the prose, because originally, Dream Hunters was a prose with individual uh, like uh, illustrations. And then yes. when that sold well, they were like, you know who's going to buy this? Comic readers. We're going to make, we're going to draw this. You know what I mean? So right. we're doing the actual uh, issues. Right. It's beautiful. It's great. So again, they, they broke it up as a four-issue miniseries. We're doing the first two issues for next week. And then we're almost at the end. Yep. Almost like we have an overture at the end. Yes. Um, of course, as I was mentioning, Todd uh, does a very good job of reminding everyone to do their football picks. I don't know how many seasons we are into the into the uh, or how many weeks we are into the season, but Todd is currently in seventh place. I am in thirteenth place, which is exactly where it should be. Right. At this I, point in the season, I should be going down, 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 and y'all should be going up, up, up. You know what, Joe? You know what my problem's been? I've been letting my good get in the way of my great. <laughs> I think you're too focused on the uh, fantasy football stuff. Yes, yes, that's that's definitely what it is. Right. So, so uh, if you're in the pigskin pickums, of course, make sure you're doing your picks before the Thursday game rolls out at 8 o'clock Eastern-ish. Um, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, uh, be sure to check out our store, get pins and stickers and shirts with our fancy logo on them. But if you want even more designs inspired by this show, by After Dark, by the Soon to Be Named Network, by other shows on the Soon to Be Named Network, head over to our T Public store. Uh, from now until next Tuesday, everything is forty percent off. Yes, sweet deal. Go crazy. Um, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, this page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You can use this affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything on eBay and support the show at the same time. Yeah. But the most important way that you can help the show and support the show is to sign up for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Heroes. as little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows every month from Todd and myself. One being previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog, uh, where, you know, we get to look at the history of comic books. Um, You know, what's coming out, what came out, what's going to be a success, what was positioned as a success, what never comes out. Right. What someday may be deemed a success, because only time will tell. That's right. Uh, the other is the comic book oddities, where we look at a different superhero movie uh, outside of the normal DC Marvel fair. And if you listen to After Dark this week, we lay out not the next one, not the next two. 
but the next three years of the uh, Patreon show for comic book oddities. Yes. We're, we got the grand plan. We're yes. like Russia in the old days, the five-year plan. Right. Uh, you also get exclusive access to our Discord. You get the scans of those preview catalogs that we talk about over on Previewing the Past. If you go to the $5 up in level, we don't have all these graduated levels and everything else like that. But if you're at the $5 level, you're going to get early access to the podcast that we put out there. You're going to get them two weeks before everyone else. And you're going to get Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. That's right. Um, and we ain't got much to talk about on TV stuff. Uh, there was a short that you sent me about Doctor Who. Yes, because Doctor Who, this three-part 60th anniversary, uh, airs this Saturday. Um, so they did a uh, Doctor Who short like they used to do back when Russell T. Davies, who's the showrunner now, um, did you know back when his first run on the show. And over there they have, it's like the Jerry uh, Lewis telethon. Uh, it's called Children in Need. And they would give it a bump by having an original story, like a five-minute, you know, uh, new uh, mini episode to go with it. And they decided to do that again this year. And it was on over the week. I don't know if it was last weekend or during the week or whatever. But it ended up popping up on YouTube so we could watch it. But I always thought that was that was always a, a really cool idea. And I don't know why the guy who took over dropped that idea because it was fun and People liked it, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, this is uh, the the Doctor Who's reverted to the 10th somehow, um, which I maybe we'll find out why or how uh, in the special. And uh, he ends up, you know, he's got that, looks like that regeneration. All doctors kind of, when they regenerate, they get a loopy for a second until their body stabilize, stabilizes. And he ends up crashing the TARDIS into Scarrow, which is the name of the planet, which is where the Daleks were created. And Davros is there before the accident with his, you know, minion. And he's ending up uh, discussing the birth of the Daleks because they're the Kaleds. Joe, Kaleds and Daleks, they're kind of the same letters. Um, and they go off and they're doing the Dalek uh, thing. They're like, this is my Mark III travel robot. And we're you know, mutating from the atomic war. And this is going to be the future of us. And he ends up doing all the, like these bits that are a bit wrong. He's like, well, this is this. And they're invulnerable. And it's made out of this, which it should be Dalek Inium. But it's, you know, whatever metal he mentions. And then he's like, it has the, the uh, multi-purpose claw that can uh, uh, destroy or whatever word he uses. But it's not exterminate. And then it has, you know, this. And it's like, wait a minute. That's not what a Dalek is. Then he leaves. And the second-hand guy, the second-in-command is there. And the, the TARDIS crashes. And it's the Doctor. And he realizes that he's in the the genesis of the Daleks, which was the episode with Tom Baker when the Daleks were created uh, just before it. And he's like putting it together and he's naming it because the guy was using an anagram, uh, like moving the letters around. He couldn't come up with anything. He's like, Oh, that's the Dalek. He's like, Oh, that works. And he's like, Oh, it's got a, a cloth for, for like extermination. He's like, Oh, that's even better. And he goes down all the lists, but he knocked the claw off and they're like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? And 
The doctor replaces it with the plunger, the classic plunger. And then he goes, don't tell anybody I was here. And he leaves. And it. Cra- I thought this was super fun and super funny. And I think Doctor Who may be back again. I don't think it was gone. <laughs> it was down. But man, oh man, I had fun with this. And that's what I wanted. So is this a part of the special that airs this weekend? Or is this kind of like a supplementary thing to what we're going to see this weekend? Uh, this, I believe, is a, it, its own mini episode. You won't see this during the special. I believe. Okay. Because they have done in the multiple, multiple uh, uh, supplement stuff that they've done. Some of it has been for children in need. Some of it have been webisodes. Some of it is, has been this. Some of it has been that. Um, you know, and they're never more than five minutes, you know, these, these mini episodes. Sometimes they would show, sometimes it would be a scene from an episode coming up, but most times it was, I'm creating this completely whole cloth and separate from anything else you're going to see. Now, will it show up in the episode? Maybe, but I'm guessing not. But uh, Dalek is one of the few things that I know and are good from the world of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And to see their origin, and was it the guy who was making them Davros? Davros you've seen you may have seen him and stuff he's the he ends up um in the story he gets during the war because they're in the Khalid war he gets bombed or something and he ends up being disfigured and blinded and put into like the half a Dalek casing as a wheelchair yes so that's him this is him before the whatever accident he's been in so I feel we're being led to that accident with this character. So uh, was there a question? I'm sorry. No, I I knew the name was familiar. Um, We get to see the origin of the Daleks, which was a cute bit. Um, You know, I don't care what doctor shows up to interact with this. The timeline of all the doctor stuff doesn't make a lick of sense to me and I'll never know or care. Um, But this was fun. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. The fact that he took, um, uh, this is, um, is David Tennant, right? Yes. Yeah, the fact that like he knocked the claw off and he took the claw and the TARDIS with him. He didn't leave it there mm-hmm. and replaced it with the plunger, the world famous Dalek plunger. Um, I'm I have a feeling that maybe the claw being on the ship might come back and be something, or maybe yep. it won't be something. Right? Right. It's 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 Chekhov's multi-purpose claw. So right. Oh, but this was a cute little bit, you know. Yeah, I'm with it. I loved it. I was happy when it popped into my, you know, YouTube feed. And I was like, let me watch this 17 or 18 times. <laughs> and there were so many like, and I won't get into them because you're not going to know what they are. There are so many because there is the Tom Baker episode where he meets Davros in the wheelchair and he's explaining what a Dalek is. And he's basically releasing them into the wild. So... All the nods that are there were cracking me up to know the Easter eggs and the in-jokes. Like, for you, it works. You know what I mean? Like, you say you know what a Dalek is. You know Davros, kind of. So, but you enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed the episode, and I enjoyed it on a whole other level, if that makes any sense. Because I was like, oh, I get that, and I get that, and I get that, and I get that. And then this uh, this airs on Saturday, right? Yes, it's going to go live um, because I finally saw an article about this. It's going to go live at 1 or 1.30 Eastern time 
uh, in America because that's the time that it's going live on BBC or the BBC iPlay, whatever they have over there. That uh, where well, there was a lot of talk about who was getting it first. Um, England and America are at least getting it at the same time. Gotcha. So uh, yeah, I'll be. Uh, and you said it'll be on Disney Plus, so I'll definitely check it out. Yep. Um, as and aforementioned, the Tubi. I do feel that whatever deal uh, people have with like Tubi and the new stuff, when all the contracts run out, all that's going back to Disney Plus. Which I would like it all under one roof. I would say that. Gotcha. That's everything. I'll stop rambling about your favorite show, Joe, even though I know you love talking about it. So, No, listen, I'm glad you're I'm glad that you're glad that Doctor Who is back. Are you enjoying me enjoying Doctor Who, Joe? Yes. Okay. Only I had some nachos to enjoy with it as well. Oh, my goodness. So that's all for this week for the podcast. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, have a very happy Thanksgiving, if so you choose. Uh, we'll have a full food report next week on After Dark, of course. Right. Yep. And uh, this was episode 685. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.